This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the stages are built and the no parking signs are posted. Pride weekend is almost upon us. And this weekend, it's marking one very big milestone. It's Wednesday, May 31st. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with Jim Shepard of the queer news outlet Qberg. Jim, you just published a whole ass magazine devoted to this year's <laughs> celebrations. Yes. And that milestone we mentioned, you want to break the news about what's special this year? Uh, special this year is the 50th anniversary of Pride in Pittsburgh. Uh, a lot of folks know that, you know, Pride kind of originated from the Stonewall Inn in New York City in yeah. 1969. But here in Pittsburgh, we were an earlier early adapter of the pride movement in, in 1973 was the very first Pittsburgh Pride. I had no idea until you were telling me about this earlier this year. Um, you've done so much reporting on it. How did our pride parade celebration get started way back in 73? Right. It was a, it was a small group by today's comparisons. Yeah. It was about uh, 50 people, uh, men and women gathered in Market Square on Saturday, June 17th, 1973. And they made a very long march from Market Square to Shenley Park. And that was the first Pittsburgh Pride. It started with 50. And by the time they got to Shenley Park, it was up to 100. Oh, wow. Um, people just joined in yeah, as they were walking by. People just kept jumping in, joining the crowd. And, you know, there were some jeers and, and name I'm calling sure, a little yeah. bit. But it was a mostly very positive and, and uplifting event. And that was the birth of Pittsburgh Pride. Yeah. I mean, were people, was it in like the consciousness at that point? You know, did anybody have an idea? You know, I just think of it now, you know, if a parade happens on the other side of the country, we see it in seconds. But, you know, at the time, media cycles weren't quite what they were then. Right. We didn't have the 24-7 news cycle. Yeah. I know there was four years, obviously, to think about it, but still. Yeah. So like Pittsburgh was, you know, like I said, an early adapter for bringing on a a pride parade to the area. We were before like, you know, Cleveland, Washington, D.C., these other major metropolitan areas didn't have pride parades. So, you know, there was actually a queer publication at the time. I don't know what the readership or the circulation levels was, but, you know, some of the crowd probably heard about it, probably just saw it coming by when it happened and, and joined in. Yeah. Who organized that first pride here? So that was organized by an organization called Gay Alternatives Pittsburgh. They're no longer around anymore. They've morphed into other organizations. But that was uh, a gentleman by the name of Jim Huggins and his husband, uh, Randy Forrester. And they were uh, trailblazers in the Pittsburgh queer community at the time. Uh, They were joined by other great people like Wendy Bell. Uh, Not not the current Wendy Bell, but Wendy Bell from 1973. Uh, And she was an active in the uh, women's liberation movement. And and they built an entire community out of almost nothing. There weren't 
You know, there weren't the service organizations, the nonprofits, anything like that for the safe spaces. Anything. Yeah. And literally this group of five, maybe ten people built all the organizations eventually that you see now. What kind of events did they start with? Obviously a parade. Um, were there other things to do? We didn't have Pride Month back then. You know? Right. So there was a, uh, a picnic up in North Park. That was apparently uh, attended by several thousand, actually. Whoa. Uh, the attendance there was larger because they believe it was uh, isolated, a little less public. Yeah, okay. Um, there was also a trolley ride. <laughs> the trolley ride went all over Pittsburgh. Apparently it went down to... Beachview, but also over to Bloomfield. Like Mr. Rogers style. Mr. Rogers style. (laughs) I like that. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a a few other events. They did have a a week of events. And uh, I know a lot of things also happened at at the University of Pittsburgh. Very cool. Um, You know, I know Kuberg republished quite a few original articles announcing these first ever events um, from the organization Pittsburgh Gay News, also not around anymore. Um, But we'll have a link in our show notes where you can see Kuberg's reporting for yourself. Jim, as you were looking back through all of those stories and the photos, what stood out to you about those celebrations from the early 70s? A few things stand out to me. Uh, Just the bravery of those individuals to be the first to do that locally. Um, You know, like we said, there wasn't a lot of awareness, acceptance in society at the time. And for those people to, to really go... Uh, the distance there, three miles walking from Marcus Square to Shenley Park, that took a lot of guts. Um, also, something very remarkable stands out in all the old articles from the Pittsburgh Gay News, uh, Pittsburgh's Out, all the different publications over the years, is it's, it feels like history repeats itself a little bit. How so? We're still having the same fights, having to keep having the same arguments and standing up and, you know, supporting our community in the face of bigotry. And it's almost cyclical. Yeah. In the magazine, you write about your own experience coming out and kind of what that felt like in 2004, what kind of spaces uh, you were able to encounter and how it kind of feels like some of that has come back. Yeah. Roaring in a different way. You always have to keep fighting. You think you've made progress and then the pendulum swings back a little bit and you have to keep keep moving forward. And I mentioned in, the, in my article in the magazine that, you know, when there's times that I slip back into fear a little bit, thinking about, you know, how much transphobia, homophobia is on the rise right now. Um, you know, those individuals back at Stonewall in 1969 and those first people in Pittsburgh in 1973, they did it despite any fear. So we have to keep moving forward. Sounds like they're filling your cup this year. Oh, they fill me up. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, so 50 years since that first day, are there any special events to celebrate the anniversary this year? Absolutely. The Pittsburgh Pride March and Parade, I think, will probably be the largest the city has ever seen. Uh, Kuberg uh, helps facilitate the organizing of that. 
uh, event for the Pittsburgh Pride Group. Thank you for your service. <laughs> it's a busy week. <laughs> um, there's going to be an overwhelming amount of people marching in support of the community. Um, we say march and parade. Uh, yeah. The reason we say that is because there is a deliberate centering of the community at the very front of the parade, and it has more of a altogether protest-style march that is then followed by a more uh, traditional parade style with floats, uh, sponsors, organizations like that. Yeah. Do you think that this year's celebration commemoration would be recognizable to some of the folks who maybe marched in that first iteration? It would not be recognizable, <laughs> but they would be overwhelmed with joy. It will be wall-to-wall rainbows downtown. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. You know, and you spoke to this a little bit, but this year's Pride is happening at the same time that we're seeing so many attacks on the community nationwide. Um, you've got some great pieces about the 460 bills that are in various state legislatures, um, but more than a dozen states have passed laws or policies that are restricting or banning gender-affirming care for young people, books, even restricting drag performances. Um, teachers are even being persecuted. Um, we just saw Target pull some of its pride merch. You're making a face. <laughs> uh, the Target example is um, a very in-your-face example of, um, what do you call it, pride capitalism. Yeah, rainbow capitalism. Where uh, corporations will gladly sell you merchandise that celebrates the community, but the minute that there is some inconvenience to their bottom line, they will pull back on being your ally. Yeah. And that's a lot of what people have complained about over the last five, ten years about the corporatization of of our community and, and why Pittsburgh Pride now is centering community. How do you think all that as a backdrop is going to affect how people commemorate the season this year? We have heard that some folks are being cautious. Um, they're worried that, you know, there might be some anti-protesters or, you know, the Proud Boys or some organization show up and make make trouble. Um, the organizers of the Pittsburgh Pride events have gone through a concerted effort to increase security this year to ensure that everyone can have a safe and happy uh, celebration. Uh, they've contracted with a queer-owned security firm because there are some folks that are uncomfortable with, uh, you know, police officers, public safety officials, things like that. I read about that in Rolling Stone. They're right. really getting the message out. Oh, yeah. We want to make sure that everyone knows that it will be a safe and, and happy celebration. That safe, uh, that you know, that safe environment though does cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, the organizers have had to spend 30, 35 percent of their budget on this security to make sure it's safe, and they are asking uh, the community to dig deep and make some donations if they're po if that's possible for them, and those donations can be done at lgbtqpittsburgh.com/donate. Yeah, yeah. We'll make sure to have links to that in our show notes as well. Um, it's just wild to have to navigate this landscape 50 years after Pittsburgh's first Pride event. Um, but of course, it's also Pride Month um, and communities all over Western Pennsylvania will be celebrating well into July. Um, can you hit us with a few that you are especially looking forward to? I've come to really appreciate the, uh, the smaller Prides out in the communities. That was something that uh, I couldn't even imagine. I grew up in the South Hills. I could not have imagined my little community having a, a pride event. There's going to be a Dormont pride this year, Mount Lebanon pride, mm -hmm. Fox Chapel pride, all these very cute, intimate, community-oriented uh, pride events are, are something that I really look forward to this year. 
Uh, any of the concerts or shows or <laughs> the concerts this parties. year <laughs> are over the top on both Friday, uh, June 2nd and Saturday, June 3rd. I believe they have something like 30 acts uh, going on and it includes both local and national and international uh, acts and performers. Um People like MKX are coming into town. Havaya Mighty, Julian King, Frenchie, Madison Rose. Those are going to be performances uh, in Allegheny Common, Commons Park West right by the aviary. Those concerts are going to be huge and also free to the public to attend. Something that the organizers of Pittsburgh Pride have really tried to emphasize is accessibility and making sure that all the events are free. Also on Saturday, my goodness, I'm going to be so busy on Saturday. <laughs> there is a huge concert going on at Stage AE. That is a ticketed event that includes uh, performances by Ava Max, uh, Fletcher, Betty Who, and a whole bunch of RuPaul's Drag Race Queens that everyone's going to really enjoy. And that party will start, I think, at 3 p.m. and go all the way till 2 a.m., I think. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, any hot tips for folks maybe new to the Pittsburgh scene um, or celebrating Pride here in the Berg for the very first time? Right. So some tips. It's going to be very, very busy. Downtown Pittsburgh is going to be crowded. Not only is Pittsburgh Pride going on, but the Three Rivers Arts Festival is going on. And I just heard some word about um, some events going on in Market Square. So there's going to be a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um, get get there early. Find your parking spot. Maybe try to take uh, the T. Uh, those are good uh, ways to get around Um I always tell people sunscreen. You can't forget it. It's vital. <laughs> it is supposed to be 87 degrees and only a little partly cloudy, but they say you get sunburned a little better whenever it's uh, cloudy. So put on your sunscreen. Every Pittsburgher should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Stay hydrated because we're going to be walking all over the north side, downtown, over to Stage AE. It's it's going to be a wonderful time. Please be safe. Also, you know, if you see something like a you know a counter protest or anything like that, just ignore them. They are there to, you know, make a scene. So don't give them what they want. Ignore them completely. Good suggestions for all of us, I think. Jim Shepard is the co-creator of the queer news outlet Qberg. Jim, thank you so much. And gosh, happy weekending. <laughs> happy Pride. I'm going to be very, very tired and ready for a long, long nap come Monday. <laughs> <laughs> A little more news before you go. The guilt phase of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting trial is in progress now. The defendant is accused of killing 11 Jewish worshipers from three congregations in October of 2018. In opening statements on Tuesday, lead prosecutor Sue Song described each of the victims and the events of the attack. We will not do that here. She also outlined the defendant's history of anti-Semitic speech online. Defense attorney Judy Clark said her team won't dispute the facts of the case, but will focus on motive, which she described as, quote, irrational and nonsensical. Clark says the alleged gunman didn't target the synagogue because of his hatred of Jews, but because he wanted to stop one of the congregations from helping refugees. The trial is expected to last for months and could end in a death penalty conviction. And if you want to help celebrate our city's immigrants, check out World Square. It's this weekend and next and features arts and crafts, music, dance, and a ton of yummy food, all reflecting the nearly 30 international communities that call Pittsburgh their home. It's totally free downtown in Market Square. 
And one last internal note, a small favor, really. You've heard us talk about the survey we're doing here at CityCast Pittsburgh, and we need a few more folks to participate. It takes five minutes, and if you make it to the end, you can enter to win a $250 Visa gift card. That's all at citycast.fm slash survey. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Show us some love. We really appreciate those good reviews and five-star ratings. And definitely subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Francesca always knows the most about what's going on in the city and ways to get involved. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon.